Bruce Cook is honored to have you join his conversations with people committed to talking with heart and brain functions in full operating gear. No spin, no agenda, just authentic conversation on just about anything. Welcome to the Bruce Cook Conversation. Sean Farrell, Cal State University San Bernardino's athletic director, and veteran news and sports reporter and anchor Lou Stowers talk with Bruce about how sports is wading through the uncertainty of the pandemic and the life and times of Paralympian and record-setting ocean rower Angela Manson, who died in the Pacific, attempting another world record. Live on AM830 KLAA tonight, Bruce Cook wraps up the week with talk that's worth tuning into. Sports, people, politics, life, authentic. Real and happening now. Here's your host, Bruce Cook. Brought to you by New Directions for Women. We know recovery. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Bruce Cook, and it's Sunday night on Angels Radio, AMA 30. It's a great honor to have you listening to the show tonight. I say that every week, but I mean it every week. And by the way, tonight's show is especially good I can say that because I'm the host and I'm sitting here with two amazing guests that are going to share the hour with us, so you better not change that radio dial. You will miss out tonight. We're going in two directions, ladies and gentlemen, listening to sports radio here in Southern California tonight. For our first half hour, we're going to talk about what's happening in in college sports, not pro sports. We're going to talk about college athletics, and to lead us off, my guest is Sean Farrell, who is the athletic director at Cal State University San Bernardino. In my second half hour, we are going to switch gears and we're going to get out of college sports and we're going to go somewhere that's really important, emotional, special, unbelievable. We're going to talk about the life and times of Paralympic athlete Angela Madsen, who many of you who read the paper and follow sports know perished recently on a trans-Pacific one-woman rowing expedition from uh, Marina del Rey in Los Angeles to Honolulu. We'll get into more on that later, but joining me for that is going to be our own sports journalist and announcer, Mr. Lou Sowers, who comes with tremendous experience here at Angels Radio. So those are my guests, and we're going to start with college sports, and I want to welcome Will Will. Will Farrell, I just made you a celebrity and <laughs> top of the athletic director. Oh, we're going to welcome Sean Farrell, athletic director at Cal State San, University San Bernardino. Let me tell you a little bit about him before he gets on the radio. Sean comes to us with a lot of experience, although he's a very young man. He's also an attorney, by the way. Uh, graduated from the University of Washington and got his law degree and bar and and worked as an attorney for the prosecutor up there and also in a firm before getting into sports. But actually, he'd always been in sports because he was a student athlete. And uh, he followed that NCAA path through his entire lifetime. Today, he takes the helm at San Bernardino. He comes from Seattle U and University of Washington prior to that, and he knows his stuff. So say hello quickly, Sean, and then we're going to welcome our other host. Thank you, Bruce. Happy to be here. It's good to have you on. Lou, say hello to the people. Well, uh, good afternoon. Good evening, Bruce and uh, Sean. You, you're you're much, much more handsome than Will Farrell, that's for sure. And he's 
almost as funny, <laughs> but not as funny as you, well, Lou. No, thank you. You got the sense of humor. Sean, what's happening at Cal State? What What is going on from day to day? The public is sitting on pins and needles. They want to know if our college sports are going to be back in the fall or not. Well, Bruce, that's a, that's a great question and something we're all trying to figure out on a day-to-day basis. And uh, we're a part of a 23-member a uh, Cal State system, and we have a wonderful chancellor who's leading the way on that. And so for us at, at Cal State San Bernardino, being a Division II institution, we uh, – uh, we are beholden to what the chancellor says, what the governor says, what our uh, regional health authority says, and then also be in alignment with our campus. And so we take all that into consideration. And so right now, uh, quite frankly, we need everybody wearing masks and we need to bend the curve because until that happens, it's going to be really difficult for us to have sports this fall. If that curve does bend in the next month, is there a chance? I think there is for the the Division One institutions, especially the Power Five institutions that can do the testing at the level that's necessary. And why I say that is the NC2A released last week uh, some guidelines. Now, they're not mandates, but the realities are if you don't meet these guidelines, it's very difficult for you to be able to have fall competition. And so for us, um, being how we're resourced, it's going to be really difficult for us to meet those requirements, uh, especially because who are we going to play? And so we have to have peer institutions be able to meet it as well, even if we were able to. Whereas, again, as you step up the ladder a bit and you look at the USC and UCLA and they have the capacity to do it, I see a, a much better chance for them potentially than for us. Well, you know what worries me, Sean? Your school draws a lot of kids that come in on athletics especially minority kids, lower income kids that get their chance at going to college, that get their admission to San Bernardino based on athletics. What happens to them if you don't have athletics? Well, to, to further your point, so we have 21 percent uh, identify as white slash Caucasian. So our actually 40, over 40% 40 of our student athletes are Hispanic. Another 20 plus percent are black slash African American. So for us, we are very much a uh, minority serving institution, Hispanic serving specifically. And then in addition to that, we're heavily Pell Grant. And what that means is, is that they come from lower sec socioeconomic environments. And to your point, uh, this is where I give my president, President Morales, who leads the university, a lot of credit, is that we're working with our housing. And so everybody's going to be able to maintain their scholarships, including their housing scholarships. For those student athletes, quite frankly, many of them really don't have a place right now that whether it be their home environment is just not suitable or there's other factors, including our international students that need a place to live this fall, will actually will be housing them on campus. So even if there's no sports, those kids are not going to suffer. They'll still be able to come to school. Maybe they won't go to class. Maybe it'll be online. My next question follow-up is, even if there's no sports, you've got to maintain your line of authority in terms of what happens. You can't just shut the whole department down and they be expected to pop back up in a month or two if there's a vaccine. Well, and this is where it, it gets pretty exciting and uh, the other duties as assigned to being an athletics director when there's no active athletics. So a couple of things. One, again, we're working with all those elements that we discussed previously about, well, what can we do if we're not competing? And one of the things we're looking at, working again with all the relevant authorities, is can we do skills 
skill instruction? Can we do strength and conditioning on campus in an appropriate manner, maintaining physical distancing and all the cleanliness and other elements that are required to make that happen? So one is, because our student athletes are very much identify as athletes and it's, it's, their, it's what they know. So for us to be able to provide that opportunity for them, it allows them to stay connected, stay in school, to your point, because if they're not an athlete, a lot of them, that's their driver to be in school. And so we need to continue to find ways to support them and engage them and, quite frankly, ensure that they, they stay in school. Because if they don't have the support one and the belief that that sport is coming back eventually, then uh, the realities are they're probably not going to finish their education, many of them. So for us, it's really do we actively find ways so we can continue to engage them. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to brag on my staff here real quick. We had a 3.4 all-student-athlete GPA this past spring quarter, which tells me we're crushing it when it comes to making sure our students stay engaged That's and stay That's pretty focused. amazing. How does that compare to the rest of the system? Uh, we're, we're leading the way in that regard. For our conference, yet yeah, uh, we um, there's some others that were the low three. Four. We were high. We were almost three five. So I'm going to say uh, yeah, we and we're talking about over 200 student athletes. So yeah, we're pretty much leading the way. And for the whole whole academic year, we were over a three two, which again is just you know our, our regular student population is right around a 3.0. So I'm, I'm really proud of our student athletes. I think that's pretty impressive, Lou. I yes, want you sir. to jump in here and talk about all the years of experience you've had in terms of watching student athletes rise, especially in baseball, which you've followed your That's whole right. life. How important is it for those kids to have that college experience? I, I think it's uh, imperative to have that college experience. I mean, you've worked all of your life, uh, and now with the uh, traveling team sports and, and everything like that, there's a lot of investment in there, too, from uh, mom and dad and also coaches and everything else. So uh, even getting into junior, junior college or NAIA, uh, any division at all is imperative. That uh, the student-athlete life is uh, it's not a unique experience, but it's an experience that uh, a few, a small percentage of students get to enjoy and, and uh, go through as well as going through their college uh, education. And I, I, I think the organization and the repetition of things with, with the coaching the way it is at that level really makes it possible for a student to transfer that into the classroom and makes them better classroom. And, and um, I've got two kids of my own, uh, my daughter and my steps, or my uh, 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 son-in-law, who were both athletes. and. I, I, I can't even keep up with them. They're, they are, don't, those are the ones I don't have to worry about. Sean, talk about your life. You started, I believe you were a soccer star. Is that correct? Uh, a soccer, soccer student athlete. We'll word it that way. Well, soccer star sounds more impressive anyway. Go ahead. Talk about your path. How did you get to this point? And how does that experience help you relate to your kids at San Bernardino? Right. So there's two things. One is, I'll, I'll start with the end and how it relates and come back, and that is so the Institute of Higher Ed just published a study recently that former student-athletes outperform the general student graduates in almost every marker, whether it be satisfaction in life, whether it be salary, um, uh, whether they be just income total. So it's what athletics brings to a student and makes them a student-athlete 
uh, transcends what they do while they're on the campus and supports them throughout their life. And this is why I brought that up first, because for me, athletics has been a staple in my life from, um, from my earliest memory. So I grew up with an older brother who was going to demand that I athletics be a part of my life. And then we grew up with three brothers, our cousins. So the five of us boys grew up together, the Farrell boys. And it was it defined me as an individual. It built my character. Um, it built my work ethic. It taught me how to problem solve, grind, etc. And so for me, when I was choosing a career path, and initially I chose law for many reasons. One might say I was a bit of a, an argumentative young man. And so it allowed me, when I went into litigation, to uh, fulfill that competitive spirit. But what it didn't do is it didn't uh, feed my desire to teach and to give back. And uh, as somebody who was the shortstop and the point guard and the midfielder, uh, I very much, for me, winning was much more important than personal stats. And for me, having the opportunity to then teach and become a coach. And so when I was practicing, I, I was given the opportunity to work with some high-level youth. And so these young people would go on to be at the Pac-12 and the SEC and the Big 12. These are the elite students, or excuse me, the elite players in the youth soccer. And what it told me is that this is my passion and this is where I want to be. And I was blessed to be in a position to then go work at the University of Washington. So there's a gentleman, some of you in Southern California may know, Rick Neuheisel, had a bit of an NC2A issue. Well, when that went down, I was hired as the first new hire in their compliance department, University of Washington, to help uh, transition the department into a more professional space. And that just, I tell people I haven't worked a day in my life since I did that in 2004. And, and so then I just went on a natural progression and continued to grow till I had the opportunity to have my own athletics department. And now I coach coaches, and uh, I love it. He coaches coaches, Lou. What do you well, say? Uh, well, I just want to know how many red cards did he get on the soccer pitch there uh uh, when when you were arguing your your case against the referees, yeah, that, that my mouth probably got me in more trouble than my feet. You you you've been speaking to somebody. That's absolutely true. Well, is your your lawyer? Come on now. Yes. Very nice. Very good. You're coaching coaches. What's the best part and the worst part? Uh, the best part, and especially now, uh, I have coaches that are just starting their head coaching career. They're 28, 29, 30 years old. And then I have a coach that's been a head coach for 30 years. And I want to give a shout out to my volleyball coach, Coach Chernis. She just won the national championship uh, this past year. Team went 33-0, and and it's something we're incredibly proud of. And the, the highlight for me is helping uh, them at every stage of their career, right? So some people that are just learning how to put it all together, and some were just fine-tuning, and I'm giving them that 5% to help them get over the top, and that's in the case of Coach Chernus. The things you don't like is because they're so darn competitive, sometimes they hear what they want to hear, and so uh, you better get it in writing uh, because uh, they want to make it work. And sometimes there's just certain realities on how you have to go about it. And so it's really important that you're clear. And then sometimes with some of them, you just got to get it in writing. I'll leave it at that. Lou, what, is, what do you think about getting it in writing? I think it's imperative to do that. Uh, I'm learning that later in life that you got to do that, got to get it in writing because I've been snookered many times by, by not getting it in writing. So I'm, I, it's, it's been taking this uh, old dog a long time to learn the new trick. I guess it's an old one. 
But uh, I guess the 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 compliance the compliance now and all the rules and regulations that uh, uh, that athletic directors have to jump through now or run into, uh, it's imperative that they do. Uh, the way that the culture is changing right now, and, and social media has such a huge impact, and it's, uh, college athletics especially is under a microscope right now. No kidding. We're going to take our break, gentlemen. When we come back, my first question to you, Sean, I'll give you a chance to think about it, is how are the coaches handling this downtime? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Bruce Cook, and this is Angels Radio Sunday Night Live, AMA 30 KLAA. I will be back in just two minutes with Lou Sowers and Sean Farrell. You better not leave this show. Angels Radio. AMA 30. Asking for help in life takes bravery. Women addicted to alcohol and drugs know this too well. Most suffer silently while their lives fall apart, their children and families in crisis. For more than 40 years in Southern California, New Directions for Women have helped addicted women recover at our nationally recognized addiction treatment center in Costa Mesa. Our door is wide open. Take the first step. Call us at 888-786-0509. Or visit us at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. Again, 888-786-0509. New Directions for Women. We know recovery. And paid for by progression. Are you being denied credit? Are you getting hit with high interest rates because of a low credit score? Bad credit happens to good people. In fact, millions of Americans are victims of incorrect or unfair items on their credit report without even knowing. But don't worry, because the Credit Repair Helpline is here for you. We'll communicate with creditors and the credit bureaus on your behalf to address unfairly reported items like late payments, collections, charge-offs, and even bankruptcies, which can lead to a higher credit score. Our proven process has helped hundreds of thousands of people just like you see meaningful improvements to their credit profile. Working to repair your credit today can help you get the new car, new home, or new job you've always wanted. Call 800-347-0498 now and get your free credit score. Call 800-347-0498 to start working to restore your credit. The call is free and the credit evaluation is free. So call 800-347-0498. That's 800-347-0498. Start building your credit today. Again, 800-347-0498. If the woman you love, your mom, wife, daughter, sister, partner, or friend, is on a downward spiral from substance abuse and doesn't know where to turn, New Directions for Women can help. It's a Costa Mesa-based addiction treatment facility that has the answer. Since 1977, New Directions for Women has helped more than 5,000 women change their lives, returning them to sobriety, healthy living, restoring love and hope, and providing dignity for them and for their families. Don't waste another day. The woman you love needs your help now. Call New Directions. The number is 888-786-0509. Once again, call 888-786-0509 or visit them at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. That's New Directions for Women. They know recovery. 
To talk to Bruce Cook, pick up the phone and dial 714-2830-830. And I'm back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Anyway, it's Bruce Cook on Angels Radio tonight, Sunday night live, AM 830, and we're talking sports tonight. Kind of a different angle in sports. We're talking college sports, and we're and we're eventually going to talk about a very unique athlete, and we'll get to that in our second half hour. My guest tonight, Lou Sowers, sports broadcaster, journalist, major Angels participant over many years, and of course, my very, very good friend and athletic director at Cal State University, San Bernardino, Sean Farrell. Before the uh, commercial break, I asked Sean to address how coaches are handling this time in COVID. Sean, how hard is it for these coaches? It's very challenging, and this is where I think the uniqueness of working in athletics and being athletes is that in athletics rarely does a game or a competition go the way you would expect, and you're constantly having to pivot is kind of the term we've been using. And so for us, initially back in March when this first went down, we had to pivot to get through the rest of the academic year. And for us that meant going all hands on deck with our student athletes and embracing them virtually as as much as we could to ensure that their lives were um, kept as much normal as we could given the circumstances and given they didn't have their sport. And then now for the summer it's been can we find a solution for fall what will it be and then also understanding that we might be in this situation for a bit and so again it's continuing to recruit and finding new ways to do that because you still you know you still have the expectation that you're running your sport but the biggest thing and what we've been doing is finding additional programming and different ways to connect with our student athletes and ensure that we're continuing to grow them as individuals. So we're doing that in sport, finding ways to ensure they can stay connected to it, but importantly, finding ways to help them professionally develop, helping them just solve the problems of a day-to-day young person's having to go through during this process. And then also, it's really important that we make sure they're taking time for themselves because everybody is impacted in a very significant way with what's going on. And sometimes uh, you fail to take care of yourself. So another thing we're doing is making sure our coaches are, we have a health and wellness committee, we call it. So to make sure that they're um, supporting one another because it's a pretty heavy challenge what they're going through. I mean, uh, Bruce, if, if everything that you identified with was taken from you and you couldn't do it, it's, it's difficult. And so we got to make sure that they continue to grow themselves. Not only has it been taken from them, but you're also saying they're being asked to really change their perspective in a sense. They've got to become counselors and psychologists, and they've got it's not just teaching their sport, which they're passionate about, but as you have just laid out, they really are guiding people through a very difficult time. Are they capable of doing that? Yeah, it's, it's what they do. And quite frankly, it's who we bring in. And so we, we hire teachers and we hire people that understand the mindset of the 18 to 22 year old. So it's one thing to be passionate about your sports, one thing to be really talented at coaching. But what's really important is you have to understand this age group and understand everything about them. And so what we say we do is we take uh, the young adults and help them develop into adult. And we use sport and competition to make that happen. So when we look at the core about who we are, that hasn't changed. So we're still about the development of the young person into an adult. And so now it's just how the medium and exactly how we go about it 
it pivots, but our goal and our mission and why we do what we do, that doesn't change. How is it different from a Division One program? The, and again, for those who don't know, I worked at University of Washington for five years and then at Seattle University for nine. So I've seen the various levels, whether it be the Power Five with 100 plus million dollar budgets to where we are with a seven and a half million dollar budget. And the, the goal is always the same. Again, that development. What we get to do at our level is make it more personal. My connection with the student athletes and our ability to be hands on and more pure about what we're doing is 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 there, whereas when there's more money involved, then the stakeholders change a little bit. So the ability to uh, provide that experience for our student athletes changes, because the realities are that it's entertainment in many ways at the uh, Power Five level. So yes, you're still very much in the development of young people business, but you're also in the entertainment business. You're and also in the financial business. Correct. Big correct. time, big time. Correct. Let's, let's not sugarcoat. That was that was my sugarcoating way of saying it's exactly what it is. You have, um, but even in your situation, you're in the financial business too. You have to bring in sponsors to support your athletic program. Yeah, sponsors and fundraising, and so uh, if we want to keep growing, so our our uh, vision for our athletics department is to be the number one athletics department in Division Two, and the only way you're doing that is if you're generating revenue to do the programming and the supporting of our student athletes that you need to do in order to reach that level. So how do you do that in times of shutdown? Uh, a lot of personal communication. That's the biggest thing is that there are people that very much value what we're doing and buy into what we're selling when it comes to the support of our student athlete. And so some people, it's hard to fundraise. And and what I tell them is, if you don't believe in what you're doing, then yes. But if you 100% believe in the development of the student athlete, so quite frankly, I have no problem asking somebody for money because it's going to go to the perfect cause. I think that's pretty well put. What do you say, Lou? Well, yeah, you have to uh, be uh, uh, in Division Two. You're pretty much juggling a lot of things, a lot of hats, a lot of chainsaws there. And so, my hats off to you because you can do that. And uh, you get up to Division One, and you have one job, and uh, that's to, uh, that's to make sure everybody complies with everything. But you have to make everything runs. Uh, everything runs from the the faucets to to the uh, foot for the, to the hot dog vendors at the football game. But um, uh, at the Palm Desert campus, it's got to be pretty easy to get a client there just taking one of the golf courses, right? Yeah, that's uh, for those that don't know, Cal State San Bernardino has two campuses. So we have the main campus in San Bernardino. Then we have our satellite campus out at Palm Desert. And, yeah, the, the dean out there, and there's a, actually the city of, of Palm Desert and Palm Springs, there's a, a lot of wonderful individuals out there that have been very supportive of our athletics department and our campus as a whole. Is it not true, and maybe I, I don't want to be negative, but most of the student athletes that come to your school are probably not expecting to become professional athletes in their sport. So as you have described in our time together, getting that education is really important. How many actually do move on or move to, a, maybe they move up to a division one, or maybe they move, maybe if they're in baseball, they get on a minor league team or they have that next step. How many actually do that and how many don't? Right. It's a, it's a great question. So there's an NC2A slogan that says going pro in something besides my sport, right, besides athletics. But for us, so we have three programs that are 
roughly top 10 in the country, and that's our men's basketball, our women's volleyball, and our men's soccer. So those three sports, they're, they're looking to go professional. And so basketball in Division Two, Elite Division Two, what you're seeing is they know that's going to be in Europe or Asia or South America. But um, you can make a healthy six-figure living as a professional basketball athlete in Europe and South America and Asia. And our coach is really good about helping them connect with that. And then soccer, what you're seeing is an explosion of the minor leagues in the U.S. And so the opportunities are growing. Um, and our, you know, we have a first-team All-American that's actually going to be going to a pro combine, uh, assuming COVID allows it to happen next week. So those opportunities are there for it's just not as comprehensive. And then our volleyball, again, is the top volleyball program in Division Two, And so many of our, our volleyball um, student-athletes that desire it have the opportunity to go professional in Europe. And so, but globally, you're right. 80% to 90% um, not only are not, but they, that's not why they're doing it. They're doing it because they have a passion for their sport. It, it helps them um, with who they are as a person, and then they're going to go on and graduate and just be wonderful, supportive people in the community. Did you ever dream of becoming a professional soccer player? It's interesting. Or did you? Maybe you did, and I don't know. <laughs> um, I take credit for this one team I played on. We did win a tournament. His middle name is Ronaldo. Yeah. Oh, I knew it. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because uh, Lorenzo Romar, the head coach at Pepperdine, he was the head coach at Washington when I was there, and he used to call me Pele. He clearly never saw me play. But, you uh, look like him. Yeah. More than Will, more than, uh, Will Ferrell, actually. More Pele than Will Ferrell. Uh, I, I thought you were going to say Lorenzo Romar, because I have a cousin that says I look like Lorenzo. But uh, uh, so, my, but can you kick like Lorenzo? Uh, much better than I can kick better than he can, uh, or I can play basketball better than he can kick a soccer ball. All right. That. <laughs> uh, but for me, back when I uh, graduated college, the professional for soccer wasn't as developed. Uh, we left that to, I have a cousin, um, Jason Farrell, I'll give him a shout out. He actually played for the Columbus crew in Major League Soccer, and he had a really long professional career. So uh, I lived vicariously through him. But for me, um, my focus was, was law school and it was more that route. Um, I do think, though, if the uh, minor league ranks were as developed as they are today, I may have taken a different path. Interesting. We're going to take our half-hour break, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but before we do, I want to bring Lou on. We're going to talk about Angela Madsen in our next half hour and what happened to her in the Pacific Ocean. But before we get into that and before we take that break, Lou, we're going to try and raise some money for to help the cause. Great, talk, thank you. Talk about what we need to do. Well, there are uh, a few GoFundMe sites, and uh, they're available by going to a face, couple of Facebook pages. Um, Angela Madsen, uh, rowoflife.org, and also SV Blue Moon, that sailing vessel Blue Moon. They have all of them there. And uh, the, uh, 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 the uh, GoFundMe page is Bring a Warrior Home GoFundMe. Uh, hosted by James Brown, and there's a couple of there, so we'll, we'll get into that uh, uh, at the turn of the half hour. For those listening that aren't familiar with what we're talking about, Angela Matson perished uh, a couple of weeks ago in a one-woman Trans-Pacific rowing challenge from the uh, West Coast uh, out of Marina del Rey to Honolulu. She perished halfway in the middle of the ocean, and we will get into that, and we will get into her life story. But now we're going to take our half-hour break, but Sean Farrell's staying with us. We're going to talk more about college sports, and we're going to teach you about Angela and 
this amazing woman when we come back. Angels Radio, AM 830. If the woman you love, your mother, wife, daughter, sister, partner, or friend is on a downward spiral from substance abuse and doesn't know where to turn, let us help. New Directions for Women, a Costa Mesa-based addiction treatment facility, has the answer. Since 1977, we have helped over 5,000 women change their lives, returning them to sober, healthy living, restoring love, hope, and dignity to them and their families. Don't wait another day. The woman you love needs your help now. Call us at 888-786-0509 or visit us at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. Again, 888-786-0509. New Directions for Women. We know recovery. These are unprecedented times which are causing a lot of stress and financial worry for millions of Americans. But here's some good news. If you owe back taxes to the IRS, Optima Tax Relief can reduce the stress in your life by helping you resolve your tax debt right from the safety of your own home. Make no mistake, you don't want to ignore the IRS right now. They can take your paycheck and everything you work so hard for. But with Optima on your side, you may qualify for help that saves you thousands. Their tax professionals specialize in the Fresh Start Initiative. One of the biggest breaks the IRS has ever offered. Optima is A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau and has resolved over $1 billion of tax debt for taxpayers across the nation. So now's the time for tax help you need, for tax help you trust. Call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-375-2922. 800-375-2922. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Asking for help in life takes bravery. Women addicted to alcohol and drugs know this very well. Most suffer silently while their lives fall apart, their children and their families in crisis. For more than 40 years in Southern California, New Directions for Women has helped addicted women recover in a nationally recognized treatment facility in Costa Mesa. Their doors are wide open. It just takes the first step. Call New Directions for Women. The number is 888-786-0509. Again, 888-786-0509. You can also visit them at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. New Directions for Women. They know recovery. Bruce Cook wants to hear from you. Now back to your host, Bruce Cook. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Bruce Cook live on Angels Radio tonight. We're switching gears in our second half hour, as I have promised you from the very start. And the reason is simple. We're going to share a very personal and moving story of one athlete whose life was dominated by a passion that was never silenced through unbelievable challenges and, and frankly, tragedy. Her name, Angela Madsen. You read about her recently. Perhaps you knew about her before. 
She perished in the middle of the Pacific Ocean on a one-woman rowing challenge from the West Coast to Honolulu. 1,250 miles in, she had a terrible accident in trying to unravel uh, part of her equipment and perished. Let me give you a little bit of background before we start the interview with our guests, Lou Sowers and Sean Farrell, staying with us from Cal State University, San Bernardino. Angela Madsen was 60 years old when she died in the middle of the, in the, middle of the Pacific Ocean alone. She did have radio and text contact uh, with the outside world, in particular with her spouse, her partner, her wife, Deb, on the uh, West Coast. Uh, Deb had urged her not to take this trip alone. Angela had done it before. She had done it successfully, but she had done it with a male partner. She had also traversed oceans across the globe, both alone and with partners, male and female. Enormous challenges of more than 2,500 miles. She was passionate. It all began when she was a kid. She was the child in Ohio of a large family, all of brothers. And as the girl, I guess you would say she was the tomboy. And she followed in her brother's footsteps into athletics. And she was competitive and she was fierce and she was also a big girl. She was six foot one. She became a volleyball champion. She did not make it into college, even though she deserved to move on into professional volleyball because she became pregnant at the age of 17 in high school and she had a child, a daughter, Jennifer. Instead, she took care of that child and a year later, with her younger brother, enlisted in the Marines. She ended up in El Toro in California as a Marine and the story begins there. I'm going to introduce Lou Sowers and bring back Sean I want Lou to take it from her Marine days and give a little bit more history. There's so much more before we can actually get into the accident. But this is all important because it's all about what Sean talked about in our first half hour. It even relates to his own personal passion. He was a kid that loved soccer, and it, it really was a life's path for him. It took him into his career, into his professional life. And even though he chose law and then eventually teaching, that passion stayed with him every step of the way, as it did with Angela, who unfortunately lost her life doing so. Lou, take it from the El Toro and the Marines experience. What happened to her? How did she end up in rowing? How did this progress? Well, she was uh, uh, part of the military police program. There wasn't a whole lot of opportunities for women back in the um, late 70s, early 80s. And so you were pretty much uh, relegated to uh, military police or maybe being a mechanic um, so she was part of the military police plus because of her athleticism and uh, tall lanky uh, 6'1 like you said and yeah she was every every inch of that 6'1 because she could stand up even in the wheelchair or not uh, out of the wheelchair to reach up and get some things but um, uh, she was on the division one women's basketball team marines basketball team at el toro uh, which i still miss el toro marine base uh, uh, and then not only did she fall in love with basketball but also surfing because El Toro is just uh, just across Jamboree Road from Newport Beach. So she uh, loved surfing, got aboard, and probably went with some of her uh, marine pals and went down to the beach and, and fell in love with it. And so it was surfing and was quite good at it and uh, uh, got into surfing competition there. 
Well, during a basketball season, um, there was a hotly contested game, and she went up for a rebound and was knocked down. And then uh, one of the opposing team members accidentally stepped on her back and uh, ruptured two discs in her lower back. Let me stop you there. This happens a lot in sports, especially for young people. Right. And their careers are stopped. <clears throat> I'm going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to come back to Angela. I want to turn to Sean. How do you deal with that in college sports if there's an injury of an athlete who's a promising star? How terrible is that? And how much help do these kids get? Because Angela, we will find out in a minute, did not get much help. Well, yeah, and what you're seeing is what used to happen 30 years ago, 20 years ago, and what happens today. And that's one thing you love to see with the evolution of college athletics especially is the health care. Like for us, we're closely affiliated with Dignity Health, and what you see is you would ensure that this student-athlete would get most comprehensive care and the best care you could give but the realities are 20 30 years ago it just wasn't the same environment that you see today back to true. lou so true sean i mean 20 30 years ago if you were injured you were out and good luck to you correct we we miss you we wish you the best but you're out anyway back to angela she was injured in the basketball game in the marine corps she never recovered from that did she and what no. how did the va well, screw this up even further well uh fast forward a few years to the early 90s and um, her back was getting worse and worse and she sat for a living as an engineer she put herself through school after she was um uh dishonorably discharged really Be yeah she was dishonorably discharged because because um, of what because one of her commanding officers um didn't like his uh advances being turned down Perfect. So, again, it, it was the time time of life. That's the way things happened. That's the way things went down in those days. Was this also the time that she was choosing to be gay um, or becoming? Yes, yeah. And, that's, and, and, uh, so, uh, and this, this was this, not uh, a popular thing to do 20 years ago. No, no. Mm -mm. So, um, so, so that further angered the uh, commanding officer. So when she couldn't perform her duties anymore because of her back injury, again, there wasn't a whole lot that they could do back then. And then um, being a Marine, it's either if you can't do it, you got to go. So she wasn't honorably discharged. And I get, and to, to be, uh, let me correct that. She wasn't dishonorably discharged. She was discharged without honor or, okay. or benefits. So... Um, she put herself through school uh, as a mechanic. Uh, she's always been good with hands. As a matter of fact, she has a, uh, a machine shop in her garage to make uh, adaptive rowing equipment in her garage. If they don't make it, she'll, she'll make, make it. She'll make it. So um, sitting at a desk in Fullerton at an engineering firm uh, at a, doing uh, prehistoric computer drafting in the 90s, and uh, probably with a stack of uh, five and a half inch floppies flying around the office. But um, uh, her back was starting to get uh, worse and worse and she couldn't stand up. So uh, she went to the only place where she could afford to go and that was the Long Beach VA. Well, one of the head surgeons had set up this back fusion surgery and uh, took all the bone fragments and everything else and, and uh, 
had the the instructions ready to go, and without telling Angela, and uh, two other surgeons, student surgeons, because it is a teaching hospital, did the surgery. Well, it got botched up. Instead of going, I'm just using this as an example. Instead of using doing on, on T4 and 5, they went to T5 and 6. So nothing fit. So they were trying to adjust it and redo it on the fly. And somehow, some way, uh, either a drill bit or a screw nicked her spinal cord. And they tried to cover it up. It caused a spinal fluid leak, and that's what caused her, caused her paralysis. It took 15 years to finally uncover that, yes, it was the government's fault. It was the VA's fault. And so she, that's where she went, uh, couldn't afford her apartment, was homeless, living out of a locker in Disneyland when they had lockers where you could put your stuff while you went to ride Dumbo, and then, and then also sleeping on the bus bench and paralyzed. You know, that alone is so it's such a heart-wrenching story. And unfortunately, we don't have the time to detail all the steps that followed. But what I do know is that she turned that disadvantage into advantage, became a Paralympic athlete, yes. participated in three Olympics. Three Paralympics. Three Paralympics, won Based. a bronze in one. Mm-hmm. Anyway, ladies and, and gentlemen. And she, and she got the world's record in that event, but she only won the bronze medal. And what does that mean? <laughs> that means that, yeah, exactly. Huh? How does that happen? Well, there's different grades of uh, Paralympians, and she was the highest grade. In other words, she still had movement in her legs, and there's others that have zero movement from the waist down. So even though she threw the shot put farther than anybody in the competition, because of the rules and the numbers and, and the way that the dice go on the board, she got the bronze medal. But she still has the world's record. That still hasn't been broken since 2012. Since 2012. I have to say, to wrap this up to a certain degree, she did all this, no help, no money, fighting the VA, recovering from homelessness, finding, I assume, some somewhere in this mix, she found the love of her life, Deb. Yep. She also apparently lost her daughter, her, her daughter Jennifer, who she had raised and had been with. She passed away, but there are grandchildren that she was with and taking care of. Is this correct? All correct? Um, yeah. To a certain degree. To a certain degree. They were in Florida. They are in Florida, the grandchildren. I guess my point is this woman, against all odds, built a life. Yeah, and, and you, you would never know. You would never know that she had a broken hang, uh, had a hangnail let alone gone through all of this tragedy up to this point. And then she found, well, she discovered sculling, and that's what was her, was her Beijing games, where she missed going into the medal round by seven thousandth of a second. So then she said, heck with this, I'm just going to do, do stuff by myself because I, I, I'm tired of carrying teams. So, <laughs> so that's how so good that's how, she was. That's how this all so then evolved. She, when she was somewhere competing in track and field in the world, she went, oh, there's no corner that she didn't go to. She discovered, somebody said, hey, you want to row around uh, uh, with us around the British Isles? Sure. Hey, you want to go, oh, we're doing this. Hey, after this, we're going to row across the Atlantic Ocean. You want to do that? Sure. I had no idea that there was this type of a culture until I met her in 2014, about 
three months before she and Tara Remington left from Long Beach to go to Honolulu. we got to stop there, Lou, and take a break. But when we come back, I want Sean to join the conversation again, and I want to talk about the importance of never giving up, the importance of finding that pathway as an athlete wherever they are, whatever student they may be or whatever place they may be in life, and how significant that is and how that ties into what's happening now in sports, in pro sports, coming back hopefully without crowds, without all the perks, with a whole different world. So stay with me, ladies and gentlemen. Let's take a quick break and come right back. Radio. AM 830. Asking for help in life takes bravery. Women addicted to alcohol and drugs know this too well. Most suffer silently while their lives fall apart, their children and families in crisis. For more than 40 years in Southern California, New Directions for Women have helped addicted women recover at our nationally recognized addiction treatment center in Costa Mesa. Our door is wide open. Take the first step. Call us at 888-786-0509 or visit us at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. Again, 888-786-0509. New Directions for Women. We know recovery. We saved big money with our progressive home and auto bundle and used the cash to take a family vacation. To Hawaii. Who's up for a luau? Yay! This is not a real testimonial. Sure, customers can save big money with Progressive, but not enough to go to Hawaii. They'll probably use it for things like the mortgage and groceries, or even a travel magazine, so at least they can see pictures of Hawaii. Aloha! (laughs) Yes, say hello to those beautiful Hawaiian beaches in that magazine. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Introducing the latest and smartest gadget to keep you and your family safe. It's wireless, requires no batteries, and can process information in as little as 13 milliseconds. I'm talking about you. Me? That's right, you. You can keep your family and neighborhood safe by contacting 811 before you plan to dig in your garden or yard to avoid hitting utility-owned underground natural gas lines. Contact 811 at least two working days prior to starting any construction project. To learn more, visit SoCalGas.com slash be safe. If the woman you love, your mom, wife, daughter, sister, partner, or friend, is on a downward spiral from substance abuse and doesn't know where to turn, New Directions for Women can help. It's a Costa Mesa-based addiction treatment facility that has the answer. Since 1977, New Directions for Women has helped more than 5,000 women change their lives, returning them to sobriety, healthy living, restoring love and hope, and providing dignity for them and for their families. Don't waste another day. The woman you love needs your help now. Call New Directions. The number is 888-786-0509. Once again, call 888-786-0509 or visit them at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. That's New Directions for Women. They know recovery. 
To talk to Bruce Cook, pick up the phone and dial 714-283-830. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Bruce Cook, Angels Radio, Sunday Night Live. Sean Farrell, in many years as a tutor and a leader of college student sports, now at Cal State University, San Bernardino, when you come across an athlete like Angela Madsen, we've been talking about, who's got such drive and such inspiration, something special. How do you recognize it? How do you deal with it? And how do you direct it? Well, I'll just say she exemplified in her life and how she lived it exactly what we're trying to teach our student athletes is that you never quit on yourself because you're going to absolutely have failures. You're absolutely going to have things that happen against you that aren't fair, that aren't right. And that's just nobody gets in when you were saying like this time with this pandemic, it's impacted all of us. And what Angela is a reflection on how you how you respond to it when, quite frankly, uh, life isn't fair. And the beauty of what she sometimes it's not only not fair, it's downright rotten. (laughs) Correct. Correct. And what she exemplified in the extreme is don't make excuses, you suck it up and you find a way. I mean, that to me, uh, I get quite frankly, got emotional and got chills just hearing her story because she is everything why we do sport and what it can mean. And there's a there's a saying that sport doesn't build character, it reveals it. And the character that was revealed uh, by Angela in her life is incredible. And quite frankly, anytime I have a student athlete or quote coach, quite frankly, complain about this, that or the other, they're going to hear about Angela. And it's going to be amazing how perspective changes pretty darn quick. Nicely put, Sean Farrell. A a good textbook would be her autobiography called Rowing Against the Wind. And if you ever heard her talk, and I'm going, I'm working, going through some, some of my old uh, hard drives now to to find my first interview with her, which is very compelling. Um, uh, To hear her talk, if you read that book, Rowing Against the Wind, it was self-published, and she wrote it herself, you hear her voice. I mean, she wrote the way she talked, and you could hear that soft spoken voice, but you knew she meant business. And, and her answer to, the, to those underachievers would be, row harder, damn it. Exactly. <laughs> no excuses. That's it. We don't have much time left, uh, gentlemen, but I'd like to end with some thoughts about what we're all going to be facing in the next couple of months uh, professionally. Lou, I'd like to start with you. What do you see? What does your crystal ball have to say about pro sports and in particular what's going to be happening here at Angel Stadium? Well, I can't even predict what happened yesterday. But, uh, well, that's true. We, that's very true, isn't <laughs> but, it? But uh, hopefully we're going to have some games. Uh, I know that they're putting each toe in the water here to see how things are going. Now, um, the, that, to me, the, it's fascinating being uh, uh, now that I'm here with a, with a teacher and, and a, a true entrepreneur here, uh, that uh, the... It's, it's fascinating to the psychology of these players who are married and having kids. Let's take Mike Trout as an example. His, his, he's going to have the new fish on the block in August with his wife. But the, the, he's so compelled to play baseball, he, he, he'll try risking it. And but that's so a big far, story right now. It's a is. very big story. It, flat, it goes back and forth. And, and, how, and once they go on the road... 
how is that going to work? In basketball, they have a bubble. Soccer, they have a bubble. But still, some of the basketball guys have been getting uh, positive. They have. Yes, they have. So, I don't know. Are, are the baseball? We'll, we'll find out. But uh, it's going to be interesting. I don't think it needs an asterisk uh, because 1981, when the Dodgers won the World Series, there's no asterisk there in the strike-shortened season. So why have an asterisk here? Good point. Sean, what about college sports? We talked about it a lot in our first half hour. Let's say it does come back in some form with a lot of precaution and a lot of care. Do you think your college athletes are scared? I think they have, for the most part, an overwhelming desire to play their sport. And this is where it's our responsibility to make sure that that can't be the only question that gets answered for us. Because in college athletics, you can't create that bubble. So for us, it's... It, can you do the other precautions necessary to create that safe environment? And that's that's the big ask that's being done right now that needs to be answered is without a bubble, can you create a system and a way to do it right by the student-athlete? In our last few minutes now, I want you to tell me if you can, I'm going to put you on the spot, tell me that the Cal State University system is going to stand behind, stand behind San Bernardino and all the campuses, even if it's shut down through the winter, to come back strong next year and not destroy all these programs and let it all go by the wayside. Tell me they're going to hold on tight. Here's what I'll say. You have a chancellor that was a Division One student athlete at, at Santa Barbara, so he gets it. And then I can speak for our campus. We have a president whose children were both were all student athletes. And so what you have is a lot of leaders that believe in it. And like I indicated earlier, the outcomes are proven. Student athletes bring so much more to a campus than what they cost to have them. To not have athletics is a huge mistake for any university. What's your website, or how can somebody reach you if they want to reach you? Yeah, CSUSB Athletics is our home, um, and then also we're on all the various social media platforms, as well as I am individually, uh, the CSUSB AD. Got it. Lou, I want you to finish the show by plugging how we can help Angela Madsen uh, in our last minute. Angela Madsen's body is uh, on its way from Tahiti on a German freighter, the Polynesia, to Long Beach right now. And uh, they need funds to help with uh, the final preparations and then get her back to Hawaii for to complete her row, complete her mission, where she will have a burial at sea off of Waikiki Beach. GoFundMe.com, bring our warrior home. And uh, it's it's a worthy cause. And uh, hit me up on my Facebook page, Lou Which Stowers. Is? Lou Stowers. Or a Sailing Vessel Blue Moon or Row of Life or Angela Manson. Row of Life. It's a nice way to end tonight's show, Just Lou row Stowers. harder, Bruce. We are all going to row harder because we've got a lot of hard water ahead of us, don't we? <laughs> you can't keep a good coyote down. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you both for being on the show tonight. Thanks, it was Bruce. a great pleasure having you, ladies and gentlemen, listening to Angels Radio tonight. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And in the spirit of Angela Madsen and in the spirit of Sean and Lou, never give up, people. Never give up. That's our, our motto and our lesson tonight. And it is one that if we follow, we will triumph. On that note, good night. Stay healthy. Good luck, and come back next Sunday night. Angels Radio, 6 o'clock. I'm Bruce Cook. You've been listening to the Bruce Cook Conversation. 
Hear the Bruce Cook Conversation on Sundays at 6 p.m. Pacific on AM830 KLAA. And hear the podcasts of every show on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public.